Welcome to the Short-Term Rental Pros Podcast. Knowledge, experiences, and actionable takeaways from those who are killing it with short-term rentals. Here's your host, Jeremy Warden. We are live with the Short-Term Rental Pro Podcast. I'm super excited to be here today with Matt and Lori, a couple out of Canada who has a really awesome background in multiple strategies in real estate. They're actually joining us from one of their short-term rental properties in South Florida. Matt and Lori, thanks guys so much for joining today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. So tell me, so how did you guys get into Airbnb and real estate in general? You go for it. I guess we were both working full-time jobs and we're unhappy with them, of course. And so we started looking into real estate back in 2018 and we joined a quite a large network up in Canada and they basically teach you the burr method and how to get started there. So that's how we basically started our journey. We bought a house, we made it a duplex and we've been renting it out ever since and kind of got a, a taste for flipping. And in 2020, when the pandemic hit, it was time to pivot a little bit because flipping was good and made quite a bit of money during that time. And we really enjoyed it. And I was able to make it my full-time gig and it really made a big difference in our lives. And then of course, now that after the pandemic, things slow down, especially in Canada, it's very difficult to, to flip now. So we had to pivot again. We looked into Airbnb and just kind of took off from there. Yeah, we were interested in short-term rentals. We bought a cottage. It's a big old A-frame on a lake up north and we've been trying to renovate. It's really difficult to get trades up in cottage country in Canada. There, It's a slow way of life and, and people are pretty busy as it is. There's more jobs than people. So that was supposed to be our first foray into Airbnb, but it was going, it was just taking too long. So we decided like we, we should check out Florida, some other areas. We've checked out a bunch of states, but this is where we felt we, we wanted to be. And, and we went to a mastermind in, in last August. So it's been about a year and we were going to flip, but now we're transitioning to STR just because we love the arbitrage strategy and the minimal risk. There's still risk, but, but we like really everything about it. Yeah, so that's it. <laughs> yeah. And I think when we had our initial call and then for some contacts, I've been working with Matt and Lord probably since January, maybe. Yeah, I think we first talked in December yeah. and then, yeah, yeah. And then really kicked things off in January. And then I think you got the first property up in I think April. April. Yeah, a- April. So I guess, I guess it's been about half, oh yeah, seven months now. But I thought it was just so cool because like the thing with real estate and there's like all these different strategies, different strategies might be right for like a person at a particular time for home flipping it's really a lot of it's like predicated on home prices going up and kind of like getting that one windfall. Like you sell the house for a profit, goes in, goes in your pocket, you locate and do the next deal. Whereas arbitrage is like predictable monthly cash flow. Obviously, there's seasonality is a big part of it. So it's not every month is the same, but really that's what it is. You have your variable monthly cost and then you have your rental potential and the net is cash flow. So it's not, Obviously there's like one, there's big bookings, but it's not like, oh, we just sold it. We made our money now onto the next thing. It's really more of our operational play. So how is that kind of the reason I think when we talked, that was like really shifting from 
you know, these like swinging for like home runs to something more of a business that you could grow over time? Yeah. So like we mentioned, flipping wasn't really viable anymore in Ontario. And I would say the government is our biggest threat to the, to our business up there right now, because they can dictate how much we can charge for rent. They can dictate how we rent our property and then how much we can raise rent every year. So it just wasn't conducive for us anymore. So that's when we started looking into purchasing in Florida, but even here, as for nationals, it's much more expensive for us mm-hmm. to purchase. We have like maybe you only get 65% loan to value. Our interest rates are higher. And the areas that we're looking in Florida right now, like we're between the ocean and the intercoastal. So property taxes are like $25,000 a year. Flood insurance is like $20,000 a year. So when we added it all up as a purchase, we weren't going to cash flow. Um, so that's when we started looking at arbitrage because we can see the numbers in this area are very, very strong. So it made actually made more sense for us to rent in this particular scenario until maybe rates get better and things like that. And we'll start buying properties then. But right now, the arbitrage model just fits our risk tolerance for one, because we're new to the area. So we would like to get to know it well before we really jump in and bring investors down, because that's ultimately what our strategy is, that we have investors that bring the money and then we do the managing So I wanted to make sure that we could test this market and know that it's strong before we start bringing other people's money down to to purchase properties. Got it. And that's, I guess, something I like to do. I'm actually my most recent purchase and an example of this where I did arbitrage in a new area that I wasn't familiar with prior to buying a house. Like, A, obviously you want to stress test, like, are people coming down here? What are they paying, et cetera, et cetera. But it's also, yeah, it's like, who is the clients that are you that you're having? You don't want to get into a situation where for whatever reason, the client demographic coming to your area is something that's outside of your avatar. So I really like, and I love that you guys are doing is kind of like the arbitrage, testing the water. Also, you're building your network in the area. You're I'd like, I know you guys, before we got on, they laughed because the pool guy came by and apparently he's a looker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I've heard, but. He just walked by again. Lori was struggling there for a second. <laughs> I could feel it. I could feel it. Yeah, he, yeah guys, they were literally, they're literally at the, their first. So yeah, let's first, let's set the scene. So you guys set up your first one in May. So it's kind of like towards the end of the, the busy city, busy season in Florida. And now you guys are down. Yeah. Tell me about what has this last week been like and kind of what's your, what's this next step for you guys in in growing the portfolio? Yeah. So like, so again, yeah, we started back in April and this house that we're in right now, and that was a bit of a, an eye opener. There's just some things that you have to watch for with the landlords and whatnot. So we set this up. It's been running really well. And then we did get another one just across the intercoastal waterway from here. And it's a great place that's right on Lake Cypress, has direct access to the ocean. You get to do charters and all that stuff. I love because I personally started with boat rentals plus lake houses. And that's still a big part of my portfolio. So I love when you guys are asking that question. I'm like, what do we got going on here? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's it's a huge thing. Yeah, we started. Lori's really good at analyzing. So she was really checking out our competition in the area. And there was really only one that we found that offered a yacht rental and it's captained and everything. So, but we could see like the house itself was nothing great. I don't even think it had a pool, but it offered this yacht for rent and it was killing it. 
So that's obviously, and in all the reviews and everything, that was everyone's number one comment. They love being able to go out fishing or just out on the ocean for the day. So we obviously saw the opportunity and we reached out to a few boat companies in the area and we found one that has a very large fleet with a lot of boats that can come into Lake Cyprus and, and they're excited about it. They're going to come for picture day and so oh, be a boat on site. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we're excited about that. And I think that's just going to like, it's already an awesome house. Like the house is smart mm-hmm. home. It's brand new state-of-the-art it's got an awesome pool right on the lake you can fish right off the dock and then we'll have this boat come in that's just icing on the cake and i think we're gonna absolutely kill it and stand out yeah. so definitely a couple kayaks disclaimer alligators may be present in the water <laughs> that's right for any and all yeah. water related activities <laughs> that's right yeah there is a kayak but yeah we'll have to have all sorts of disclaimers and just make sure everyone's safe and not thinking they can just swim in the lake or whatever. It is a saltwater lake, so I don't know how many crocs are in there, but <laughs> there's a lot yeah, of other yeah. things. <laughs> so that's something that I, have, I mean, I have personally found is that having boats, like an, a convenient and easy boat option at the lake houses, a lot of the times, and this is predominantly for me in the summer, given North Carolina is probably like eight months out of the year, you can go boating. But really, like, it's most enjoyable in the summer. Still, the wind, it gets chilly. Florida is year-round. Like, you're, this time yeah. of year, honestly, might be even more attractive from a boating perspective than the winter is. But really, like, most people reach out for the summer. They go, like, we, ask, we have our automated messages. We ask them, what brings you to the area? Like, why are you interested in this particular house? What activities do you look forward to? I'm sure you guys know the message at this point. Most, it's predominantly like, but boat. <laughs> Come on, boat. Please get boat. <laughs> like, like, people are like, they see it. They're just like, boat. Like, book. Yeah, that's <laughs> book, book, it. book. And they'll pay like kind of an irrational, I don't want to say an irrational price because that, but they, you know, they'll pay a premium for an easy and convenient boat option. And like, obviously this is like a perfect, pretty much apples to apples comparison But in other places, it can be something else. Like someone, you know, who's on a ski resort, maybe it's ski in, ski out. And if they don't Mm -hmm. show ski in, ski out, how is someone, how is someone going to know that's like, if they don't show it early in their photos, no one's going to know. So really just by conveying. And I think that's so great. Are you guys having Chris come take photos? I don't, we haven't scheduled it yet because it got pushed for another month. But yeah, and then we're going to offer the boat rental service from here too. So the, this place that we're at now isn't on a waterway, but we'll yeah, at least have yeah. that service that they can go to the marina and it's all set up for them. So we'll make you sure easily, we add that as an amenity. You negotiate like a slight discount or something for them? Yes, we did. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they offer a discount. There will be a QR code that they can scan. Then they can go, it'll take them right to their website. It's already built in with our discount and it's going to be a separate one for each property. And then once they get there, they can browse through and choose the type of boat they're looking for, whether it's a bow rider, a center console or a pontoon boat or whatever, even a luxury yacht. And then they just communicate with the captain themselves. Beautiful, beautiful. And a question I always get asked is liability you're dealing with boats what's and that's why i think it's honestly great to have a third party company you're working Mm -hmm. with because really you guys just got them a discount so you guys are 
essentially doing your guests a favor and they're going to be thankful for it. And that's like the way I do things with my boats is the boat business. While technically I own it, it's a third party entity. And like, I want to make it appear as a third party entity because then it's anything, let's say the boat breaks down or something like it's not, Oh, Matt and Lori's boat broke down and it's, Matt and Lori graciously connected us and got us a discount and like unfortunately it didn't work out and that's why I think it's awesome this partnership you guys have and I'm super excited so so you guys are in Florida now you're waiting you're waiting on the property to be renovated and ready for you guys and then when do you think you'll have this second one up and running probably the last week of August got it last week of August okay okay we want to hit Labor Day yeah, yeah. Okay. Second week of August. And then December, I mean, I'm, I'm sure December to like May is going to be absolutely yeah, we're, we're excited for that. Yeah. <laughs> because like, as you said, we started like at the tail end of the hot market. And at the same time, yeah. we were bummed about that. Like we were sort of wanting to get in there and be done for at least catch March. Because that's like number one month for the year here. Mm-hmm. We just missed it. So we were a little bit worried about that but what we're starting to discover too is an, a good way of finding properties for cheaper is to pick them up in the off season because now mm-hmm. people are getting desperate with the rents they're lowering them thousands of dollars and then we pick them up and then when they renew it's going to be a year from now in the slow season again. so we're actually setting ourselves up to get the properties at a lower rate as well as we get a bit of time to build up some reviews, iron out any hiccups in the property, get them ready for the hot season and we're ready to roll. And we've already got a little bit of momentum. And I think that's going to really translate well. Got it. So I want to go on two things. So first of all, you guys are picking up in particular luxury. You guys are going after luxury properties. You're not going after little dinky apartments. You're very much going after nice houses, bigger houses that you can put your own. I mean, if you guys see watching on YouTube, they have wallpaper behind them. Like they put their own touch on the property. Custom wallpaper. Lori designed it. Yeah. Wow. Custom wallpaper. So really, yeah. yeah, I guess, yeah. How has A, the search, like how are you, I've been searching for properties and then B, the pitch process. So you guys are completely, you're not even, you're not in state. You're not even in country. You are foreign nationals. So <laughs> how has it been getting deal flow, not just being entirely in a different country. So we have two business partners back in Canada. One raises the money and the other one does all the sales calls and the pitching. He's a wholesaler himself. So he's very good on the phone. He knows what people want to hear. He's refined the process to pretty much every time we call, we'll get a yes. And then we'll go take a look at the property and then we decide whether we want to keep it or not. So Matt and I are mostly focused. Matt does a lot of the marketing. I'll do a lot of the analyzing. We'll do, I'll do the design. I do bookkeeping for now. So we all kind of have our roles, but it, it works well because it's hard to do it all if it were just the two of us. So Got it. So Nemo is the money guy? Yep. Yep. And, and Chance then... is our wholesaler who does the, sa- the sales. Yeah. So yeah, he does I, all the calls. Yeah. And I talked to him, I believe I talked to him in probably February, right? We hopped on a call and like, it is kind of cool because like talking to him, heard his pitch and really like he only needed to refine like, I would say like two or three things in his pitch. Like he, he was, he knows the drill, but really like, I feel like it went from like, you guys kind of like, all right, it's hard to getting deal flow is a little difficult right now to like, 
he had so much deal flow that it was like, how do we pick which property to choose from? And then it was yeah. like, all right, can we go with the one that's more expensive? That's like five blocks from the beach. Or do we go with the one that's like less expensive, but it's like farther into it went from like, how do we get deal flow? All right. We have a lot of it. Now it's like, how do we decide which one, like what is the type of property we really want to go after? So it was cool. So he, cool seeing it. It's awesome that he's keeping it going and uh, you guys are yeah. continuing to get additional and He's refined it even more since then. Like he's, I mean, just the new landlord that we just met with, he's, he had nothing but great things to say about like their pitch and things like that and like their relationship. So yeah. And that's what to focus on is that relation. I think you, the relationship standpoint, people, I think underestimate how important it is just to have a good rapport and like each other. I know you guys sent the photo the other day of literally your landlord was cooking you dinner. <laughs> Tell me about that. He also took us for dinner the night before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was a bit of an interesting one. I think there was a bit of a miscommunication. Our intention was to come down here meet them, sign the lease. And I had already pre-ordered everything to arrive in time because we had a week here and I was going to make the most of it. And uh, when we arrived here, we kind of found out that he's not moved out yet. He's not ready for us yet. He just wanted to meet us to sign the lease. He's the type of person that wants that in-person contact and get to know you. And he takes his house very personally. It's not a business transaction for him. He wants to make sure he's giving it to the right people. The relationship Um, is important and the trust is important. Yeah, it was so important to him, especially. And so, yeah, we didn't even know he was staying at the property. And that was our intention was to stay at the property. So we actually stayed at the same property with our landlord the first two nights, just kind of funny. But at the same time, it really gave us an opportunity to get to know them better. And they were very hospitable towards us, always cooking for us, making sure we felt comfortable in their home. So we were trying to think like, what do we get them as a little thank you? Because just to show our appreciation and to a guy that has everything, right? He he has everything. So we're like, what do we get this person? And he is quite religious and Buddhist, right? And he actually belongs, I guess his congregation or that's what you would call it is actually in New York and it's called the Blue Cliff Monastery. And it's a Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, it was like, it was kind of cool to see how passionate he was about that. He goes for months of the year to China, Vietnam, and he helps build over and he helps build schools and stuff through this. So we knew he was passionate about it. So as a thank you, we made a donation to that church just to show like we're committed, Mm -hmm. we're professionals. We really want to build a strong relationship Mm -hmm. with him. And he has a lot of connections here. He's a lot of other properties, got a lot of family with properties and Airbnbs in this area. So we definitely wanted to maintain a great relationship with him. Yeah, that's, I think that's a good call. I think it's also funny. Dylan, for example, one of a, one of in the program, he was also launching a second property and same situation where he stayed overnight with the landlord in the same (laughs) property. I don't think the landlord cooked him dinner if or he didn't share that wow. detail. So I think you guys won up on the relationship building <laughs> side of things. But that's also yeah. this guy. He has no property. So if you guys build a good rapport with him, obviously you show that you're keeping great, keeping the properties in great shape. I'm sure you guys sent him the photos of your first property, the one you're in now, during the pitch process to like let him know. And he probably saw that you guys had incredible five-star reviews and all the guests had said how much they love you guys and you know how much you care and all that so you guys were able to show him that you care uh and now if you're 
further able to show it the next time he has a property goes for rent you guys might be on speed dial <laughs> yeah yeah hopefully it will be top of mind right and i think that's the biggest thing is if you can in the way to scale things quickly is to get people who see your value and then you can build by them offering your their other properties because a lot of these people down here in florida there's a lot of wealth and they most of them own not just one or two properties but like 10 or 15 15 mm-hmm. 20 25 oh, wow. 100 doors so or if they don't they know people who do so it's all about building that relationship getting the trust and then just executing on our end yeah exactly exactly and I, like i say it's a lot easier to scale a business if you have 20 different landlords for 20 properties like there's going to be a lot of headaches that just come with that yeah. it's going to each landlord probably has like their own process or their own vendors for like maintenance issues happen there's plumbing issues there it's all part of it but one landlord you just kind of start to understand their systems and you get like a good rapport with them and they prioritize you more whereas working with 20 is just more difficult so i think it's awesome that also you guys have identified landlords who have multiple properties because setting yourself up in the future just scaling is going to be so much easier that way so what I want to get into, so you guys started in, when you guys started in real estate, you started with flipping. What experiences from like flipping and have translated to building this hospitality, this luxury hospitality business? Yeah, it goes far for us, I think, like, especially with this first one. So when we showed up, things weren't quite as they appeared in like the listing and stuff. So not necessarily the landlord's issue. It was actually something with the realtor that we discovered that they posted old pictures on the new listing. And when we got here, none of the was supposed to be furnished. None of it looked the way it was supposed to. It was a lot of it was water damage and things like that. So we got here, we're like, oh no, this won't do. So we moved all this stuff to the garage, kindly asked them to put it in storage. And we ended up having to refurnish the entire house ourselves which we weren't expecting. So that was out of pocket. But with our flipping experience, we were able to come in and like not panic or freak out at the situation. We just said, all right, well, this one week trip just turned into three, but here we go. We like touched up all the paint. I was outside power washing everything. We're fixing up, patching walls, doors are hanging off, fixing those. Lori's out shopping. She's coming back and she's bringing them in. I'm building them. We're placing like it was a whole system that we had. But I think if we didn't have that experience as flippers, we would have really struggled or panicked or we would have been on the phone with Jeremy like (laughs) every day. Like, what do we do? (laughs) But we just, we handled it, right? Like it's, it was less than what we've experienced in flipping. Like in flipping, there's big problems with plumbing or jackhammering yeah. or doing all sorts of things. So structural issues with the house. Structural, yeah. And then we also incorporated like how we bring in the investors. So we have several systems that we want to do with this platform, this STR business. So we want to obviously purchase homes eventually. Right now we're sort of waiting it out. But we want to bring in our JV partners to help we'll purchase a house with them. Maybe it's something that has some value add. So we buy something, we'll flip it to ourselves and to our partner. And then now we have a 50-50 stake in the property as well. So that's like just icing on top of the profit and the cash flow. 
Yeah, and something uh, you guys should maybe look at, given you guys have that flipping experience, something that mm -hmm. I've seen definitely like more of late, but a lot of essentially people flipping, creating the short-term rental experience, like putting in the furniture, putting in the accent walls, and then selling it as a turnkey short-term rental. And they're fetching a premium. Like they, they do fetch a premium. I don't have exact numbers to say how much of a premium, but it, you know, there's different, you can post online and kind of probably circumvent having to go through a broker. Uh, but just something to think about, obviously, and given your guys unique skill set of obvious, obviously flipping in addition to design, I think that could be an avenue you pursue, but I want to break it down back. So you guys want to raise money to buy, build out this portfolio. Do you think that being able to show that you guys are able to manage these properties, that you have the operational expertise, that's going to make it a much easier sell for Nemo to raise the capital? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think another thing with our second house too, was he said that he really liked our website. He said that it was extremely professional. And I think that's what kicked it up a notch, just aside from having our listings to show that we're a serious business and we treat it seriously. So I we think have a whole bunch of owner packages with slide decks and performas mm -hmm. and all that stuff that we give them that a lot of, he said like no other company gives them. So Got it. And that was for the landlord or for the investors? For both. both so actually, yeah, so okay. we have one for the landlord that we always have like a pitch deck for them just to show them like and what that, that, Is that the, uh, that the one from the Knowledge Hub where you guys added the unique branding and a couple pages to? Is that the one? Yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. Yeah. Good, yep. good. So okay. yeah, and that's another thing too. I think when we are picking up properties, we really make sure that we tell them that we treat it like a serious business. We're not just going to set it and forget it. We're back here every other month. We're always checking on the property. Thank God we came here this time because we found an ant problem and there was some like some issues happening here. So I'm glad we came back here and touched on those. But uh, going back to that, like we, how we treat it like a serious business, we're very serious about maintaining relationships, even with the neighbors around the property. So I like to send Matt out front for a couple of hours when we first get the property and if you just stand out there long enough, all the neighbors pass by and then he'll start talking to them and he makes friends with all of them. And Matt's you know, out like, there power washing. Oh, yeah, I've yeah. got the shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> Not just the pool boy, but you're also, you're bringing the dive walls. I'm a landscaper. I do whatever it needs to get done. Yeah. So there's like, so like neighbors don't like hearing that there's going to be an Airbnb next to them and they get their backs up. So we're usually the first one out there. We're passing out our phone number. We're saying, please call us if you have anything. We explain everything that we do right in the house that most arbitrages or SDR companies should do with like a minute to read the decibels and understand if there's a party happening. We've got the ring doorbells and cameras and yeah. specific areas. We have the end code so people can't just break in or whatever. You can program the code and yeah, it just shows them that we're serious. We're concerned about keeping the peace with them. We want them to enjoy their life. They're here first. They're here all the time. Our guests mm. are coming and going. Yeah, so yeah. we had like a couple of neighbors in this area at this Airbnb that weren't happy that we're doing it. So we made sure to get in front of them right away, tell them who we are, tell them what we do. And we actually ran into one of them this morning and like, how's everything going? Are there any issues? And he's like, actually, he's like, it's been great. He's like, I actually like that it's an Airbnb because there's not always people there. And he's like, if I hear any noise, it's just kids in the pool. And I like that. Yeah. 
So yeah. that was really good to hear because I was a little bit nervous that, that they'd be always trying to report us or something like that just because they don't like the idea of it. But that hasn't been the case at all. Yeah, putting up, giving a face to people because like sometimes, and I definitely try to yeah, get in front of the neighbors, just yeah, let them know, hey, if you have any issues, like here's my phone number, like call me first. I want to make sure that, and also like, hey, if you guys have family coming to the area and you need a place to stay, like would be happy to like extend you guys a discount or try to be helpful if it makes sense for our property. Cause a lot of times, I mean, that then gives the neighbors an opportunity to say, Hey, cousins who live in California. Yeah. Hey, actually come on down. Like, and you can yeah. see like it, it kind of gives them, we, we've had that happen multiple times for our Florida properties in particular, where our neighbors have just, they've had, they've stayed with us. Yeah. We've had some other neighbors who in Florida who, Florida, I mean, you guys, I'd say, are like in really nice, really nice areas, like near the beach, Fort Lauderdale, Pompano area, where I'm in like more up and coming areas. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> sometimes I, I like, that's good, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, there's an advantage to that in owning real estate, being in an right. up and coming area. So you don't want to buy in where it's expensive already, right? We're the same. We're starting to look at the north end of Pompano Beach where it's up and coming. If we're going to bring in JVs and we're going to purchase something, we want to buy it when it still has a lot of value. Exactly. Here, these homes, like, they've gone up. Almost like a million in three years. Just yeah. Like, very inflated. It makes me a little bit nervous that it's a bit of a bubble in this area. So, But we don't own it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not your problem. <laughs> not my problem. I so. sleep yeah. well at night knowing that yeah. I don't have to worry about that and. I have an insurance background and like being between the ocean and the intercoastal, I'm like, oh, we're surrounded by water. And I'm like so nervous all the time about it. But I'm like, well, we rent and like worst case scenario, like we can pick up our stuff and move on. Right. Like if, if the area ever got devastated, it could take a year or two to come back, like Fort Myers area, for example. Yeah. Oh, I mean, or I mean, chances yeah, are. Yeah, it's easy for us to be like, OK, well. <laughs> we'll just go set up somewhere else, right? Yeah. So I sleep better at night knowing that. And like mm -hmm. I said, it's hard to cash flow in this area for her to buy. So. Yeah, but also you'll see, I mean, like you'll learn, all right, what does hurricane season? Because I guess it's your guys' first hurricane season, which last year was my first hurricane season, which like to me, I'm like, whoa, like <laughs> shutters. Like, what are those? Like, how do you put up shutters? Well, like, yeah. Like people there, like they're used to it. If you talk to the neighbors about it, they're just like, it's a, it's just like a part of life. Yeah. We have a party. <laughs> I did ask them, I'm like, so, like, cause our neighbor across the street has lived here for 27 years. I'm like, okay, so like, have you had any damage? He's like, no, nothing really. And I'm like, Never nothing between the two major waterways, yeah. like nothing's happened. Cause the intercoastal is literally like two doors down, two doors us. away from us. Yeah. So it does make and me the a ocean is a five minute walk. So we're dead set on this thin strip of land right so yeah but uh, yeah maybe but a lot of times like and this is what i'm because we're you guys are in between the ocean and the intercoastal whereas we have a property that's on the intercoastal like on the intercoastal side and then one that's on the east side of the lake and a lot of times like if storms come they kind of push water in so like the intercoastal side gets the water gets like pushed that way whereas the beach the people on the beach like they get beach water if but I don't know. I, this is something I was so, so worried about too myself. I'm like, how does this, does the but lake That's the beauty of arbitrage, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, as long as you're insured for your contents and we actually have like, it 
it's actually called str insurance right? arbitrage yeah. arbitrage insurance we actually mm-hmm. found a company that does that and all our contents all the like furniture that we put in the property will be covered so if it's damaged we get replacement cost if it's not we take our stuff and we go if the house itself is like condemned or whatever and they have lots yeah. of income too so if you need some time to get back on your feet there's coverage for that too so again i just sleep so much better at night not yeah. having to worry about it at, from a purchase perspective definitely so good thing we covered the doom and gloom situations here <laughs> <laughs> But definitely good to have ducks. And that's the thing with arbitrage. It's like dating. You're not marrying the property. You're dating it. And what's the worst, worst that can happen? Like, I mean, I don't know. Like it it blows up in this case. It's not even that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Even that it's okay. That's a setback, but we keep moving. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, so you're dating the properties and before you buy. Not exclusive. (laughs) (laughs) beautiful so okay so i'm trying to think so all right so you guys your background in flipping and i guess yeah you guys so you mentioned you guys joined when you started real estate you initially joined kind of like a real estate mastermind i guess what has been your experiences with like different masterminds and like learning from different folk who have experience and like how has that shaped or like where you guys are today yeah, so we joined a company in Canada called Keyspire. I don't know if you know him. He's a very famous face in Canada on HGTV. His name's Scott McGilvery, and he essentially started this when he was in college. And then now there's probably like four thousand members, and now they're just oh, in wow. the states too. So they're in the states now in New York and Jersey and stuff too. And so, and like, like in person stuff, like a lot of yeah, like, they yeah. do summits two or three times a year, and then these are all investors all over Canada and. What we love about this investor network is it's a wide variety of ages. So then you have a lot of people who are maybe in their 50s or 60s, but they all have money and they just mm-hmm. don't want to flip. They don't want to do anything. So there's lots of money partners available in there if you can pitch your deal the right way, yeah. if you network yeah. the right way. So that's been a huge plus for us. But we also expanded out to like different coaching groups such as yourself because we needed help in the States and they're primarily in Canada. So we just wanted to make sure that we had the right coverage. So going into different network groups has really helped. And then we had these Canadians move down to Cape Coral last year and they put on a mastermind for, for Canadians on how to invest in the U.S. and how, oh, you wow. can get your, how you can get your visa here. And they just give you all the connections, accountants, everything else and then kind of get you on your feet and you can go from there. And I actually get asked a lot. I get asked a lot of that because there's definitely a lot of Canadians who want to invest in the U.S., probably largely for some of the reasons you mentioned that Canada, they hate like the government. The government, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, like you talk about California and the U.S., but Canada might even be on like a league of its own. But a lot of Canadians, there's not a lot of investment like it's hard to make money in Canada right now so they want to invest in the U.S. so how would a Canadian let's just say like specifically for arbitrage how do they set up their American business so we have a cross-border accountant and they basically tell us the best way to set up our entities right yeah based on our situation but usually to avoid double taxation you get into the GPL piece so limited partner general partner 
So basically you just have a general partner that owns 1% of the business and that's what people can see. So it really limits our liability. If it's litigious down here, it's not so much up, up in Canada, but down here it is. So it just protects us that way. And then from there, it goes into the LP and funnels up to Canada. You have so, a C-Corp, right? Yeah. So there's a C-Corp, which is the GP. And then our LP is our, we have a parent company in Canada that owns that. What that does is we get taxed here and then we get fully taxed in Canada too when the money comes, but then it refunds or we get a credit, we get a credit for what we paid in Florida. So it doesn't double tax. Got it. So you do that for taxation. So would that be the way, let's just say a Canadian wanted to start an arbitrage business. I know in like the UK, they have like limited LTDs. In Canada, can you just start an American LLC and operate it as a Canadian? Or do you need, I know you guys do the GPLP situation. It Could a Canadian just do a... If you do the LLC, you'll get double tax. You'll get double tax, but that's only if you bring the money back. As long as it stays here, the LLC is fine. So keep it at a Chase Bank, bank, business bank account with your EIN, and you just keep it in America and just continue to invest in the US with that money. Then, but you couldn't like, could you not spend it in Canada or you would just have to do business expenses and spend it in Canada? You couldn't do like a personal expense in Canada with that money. Yeah. Like I would refer to your account. No, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> always, always. But I think the, from our understanding is as long as it crosses the border and it's not in that GPLP, that's what we've been told is you would then be double taxed. You'd be got it. Okay. Okay. So that's really interesting. So you can't, so essentially if you're just going to do a standard LLC, you, the complication arises when you take the profit back to Canada, if you want to circumvent that, then you need to have a Canadian. And again, not a lawyer, not an accountant Mm -hmm. disclaimer, disclaimer, but if you have the GPLP structure with one entity in the, in Canada and one entity in the States, you can minimize tax obligations. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And then next time I get asked, because I, I have gone asked that question a few times, I'm going well, to talk about, I'm blowing up your inbox. That's it. <laughs> well, you, you know, you've been killing it in Canada. All of a sudden there's like, yeah. after, I don't know if we were the first or not, but I know that there's been five or six since. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, it's obvious that Montreal, there's like a big, Alberta, even our friends, yeah. Kevin and Heather are doing so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just had I just had our war map, I think two days ago. But yeah, there's yeah. definitely it's very obvious that in Canada, you just like, frankly, can't really, I mean, you can make money with arbitrage. And apparently, because apparently I was talking to the because I was like, could you boot your tenants or I don't want to say boot, could you when the tenants leave like their lease ends? Yeah. Could you have you thought about converting some of your long term rentals to to short-term rentals or like maybe we kind of maybe we should at least see what the opportunity is there and they're like yeah the renters don't really leave no i'm like what do you mean like like they can't you just they can't leave they're in there and they just like stay in there forever and like i'm like what happens if they don't pay rent they're like "Mm, it's tough (laughs) i'm like what yeah you actually would have to take them to the landlord tenant board and right now it's like a 10 to 12 month wait for a hearing so that person will continue to not pay rent for a whole year before it goes to court so it, it and really hurts get evicted yeah like, there's no you like money. you'll never get the money back from them and then like the government again like 
this year we were told we can only raise rent by two and a half percent. Well, you know how much inflation was this year, but we only get to raise it by two and a half percent. And the same was last year and the year before we weren't allowed to raise it at all. So like it's been very slow. And then you're like the market rents are going up like crazy. And you'd love to re-rent the property at a market rent, but all these renters are like, where am I going to go? And I yeah. can't pay those rates. So then everybody yeah. just sits, right? So we have a duplex in St. Catharines in Ontario right now where they're brothers and they live upstairs and downstairs from each other. And we know that they're going to live there forever. They love it there. That's their place. And so to get around that, we want to divest in Ontario. We actually approach them to see if they'd be interested in doing a rent to own. And we'll just end up selling it to them in three years and that way, because it will be difficult to sell a property when you have under market rents and you've got tenants in it. Right. And so it is complicated to sell it. So we're like, why don't we just rent to own it to them and we know what we're going to sell it for in three years to them. And then that way we can sell it that way yeah. without having to worry about making market rent all the time. Like our property cash flows right now, but I'm a little bit worried what's going to happen when rates renew, I think next July. Right. So I don't know what the rates will be at and if we're still going to cash flow. So we kind of want to just have an exit plan. Yeah. Or, I mean, but also if inflation is 6% and you can only raise rents 2% a year, at some point, those lines are going to converge. Well, yeah. that's what's happening now is nobody wants to make long-term rental properties anymore because you risk squatters essentially yeah. and, and you can't raise your rent and it's hard to make money. So there's less and less people willing to build units now in Canada. So it's creating a major issue because I think we had a million people immigrate here last year and they're on target to do half a million every year for the next couple of years and so they only made 200,000 homes and most of them settle <laughs> in the gta in ontario so there's going to be a severe housing crunch and nobody wants to provide housing because it's not worth it for them there's too much risk there's too much development charges like it's just not worth it yeah and that's where obviously people i mean i'm on social media i, I kind of you make yourself a target from people when you say you know oh like we provide, I provide housing. It just happens to be furnished housing that people come for shorter periods of time. But really, I think like there's just such big fundamental issues that people like that are so much bigger than like taking a house that's a vacation house that sits empty for 12 months or 10 months, 11 months of the year. And like people and the big issue, the fundamental issue, and you guys kind of touched on it is like people aren't building houses. Like local areas, they say, oh, they might try to like scapegoat things. But then when a developer comes and says, Hey, I'm interested in building a 200 unit affordable housing development in your town. They're like to the public, they're like, we love affordable housing. Like we love it. We love it. And then they go, ah, yeah, we're not going to give you the permits for that. Like we're yeah. going to get overcrowded here. Like we already have too much housing, like too much. It's our overdeveloped. Like, so it's just, there's a huge irony in like Canada is supposed to have like good they're supposed to have, oh, we can't, landlords can't raise rates or can't raise rents on people. We're for the people. But then it's mm -hmm. like, all right, well, landlords aren't going to build anything then. Like yeah. your core issue, like, why do you have this issue? Well, because there's more people here than there's housing. Yeah. That's the issue. So you're trying to just say for the people already here who are already locked into housing, they can just stay where they are forever. That doesn't fix the issue that there's more people coming than housing is being developed. How about instead we work with people like Matt and Lori who provide yeah. safe, sanitary housing? I know yeah, it's, well, it's really unfortunate. Like that they're saying they're going to get better with development fees. And I think the landlord tenant board was patting themselves on the back last week because they were reducing their 
like court times to five months instead of a year. Instead of a year. So it's just like, it's kind of a joke to be quite honest. And it just, it does, it really just left a sour taste in our mouth. And then they're always coming after us for capital gains or even talking about people's primary residence that they were going to put a capital gain on that. And that's a lot of people's retirement ticket. And even as my parents nervous and they're ready to sell because they bought that house 25 years ago when it was 200,000. Now it's worth 1.5. Could you imagine paying a capital gain on that? I mean, they're just always looking for new ways to tax you. We have carbon taxes that we're only 40 million people in the country. And I don't think you guys even have carbon taxes and like, they're just taxing us to death and it's always something new and we're just so fed up with it. We're like, forget this. Like, let's go where we're wanted. Like Florida's like, come on, come invest here. I think DeSantis said that like he was thanking our premier because he's sending all these people our way, his way. Bringing all the money here. Yeah. Because people are fed up. Right. And then that's probably why you're seeing more Canadian. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. There's really no ways it's a, yeah, a like it's an uncertain environment. So like, even if like there's a potential opportunity where today it pencils out, if you don't know what the future looks like, you're going to be scared and it's going to, a good investor knows what the future knows, what the horizon looks like. So you guys, you want to, so yeah, that's why I'm definitely talking to a lot of Canadian folks and helping them invest in the U S I mean, that's really not that I thought it like a year ago, or I guess when I started working with other folk. I guess nine, 10 months ago, like I wasn't like, I'm going to help foreign nationals, like take, take advantage of the beautiful American economy. But that's, <laughs> I guess that's it's how it goes. Way. Yeah. That's how it goes. I mean, even just building, like, like you said, there's a huge discrepancy with how many people are coming in and how much homes are available and so we're in a massive housing shortage. And it's still taking years just to get like the paperwork done for development. Yeah, and it's so easy to need scapegoat. to cut all that. Yeah, like yeah. find something and, needs building code and it needs this the general appearance of the neighborhood or whatever. Let them build it. Okay. Yeah, and I know it's like, it's like the iron. Or honestly, the thing I think is sad is that then like folk, maybe like yourself, your mom and pop landlord who took. I mean, I know you guys showed me the one that you have near Niagara Falls, like took a, for lack of better words, like a shithole property, like an uninhabitable shithole and turned it it's into a like, house. <laughs> yeah, like an actual livable place, like a yeah. nice place. And like, people are gonna, people are gonna move in and live there. Yeah. But like any friction you put in that process is terrible. <laughs> like you should be encouraging that process of taking either building new housing or taking terrible uninhabitable housing and making it livable, not like, Oh, you guys are the problem somehow. Like, yeah, you guys somehow we're the yeah. you guys did. Have- Even this year, like they're actually starting to gather evidence for people who are leaving their homes vacant because people are afraid to even rent them out now because they would rather just hang on to them, let them appreciate. And now the government's like, hey, wait a second. We noticed there's some vacant houses here. So we actually had to submit something to the CRA to say, like, how many houses we have? many like if it's vacant because they're going to start charging a vacancy tax on us if we don't rent it out so like we're just being so controlled i hate that feeling i just don't like it anymore and i was just like you know what i've had enough like let's get out of here and even if we're we really like airbnb and hospitality like the seasonality is just too much of a swing in ontario like in cottage country you get three good months maybe we have snowmobile trails where our cottage is currently but it's 
here you just have much more consistent seasonality and it just feels better it's they're not wild swings because if something happened to you in the summer at the cottage your whole year is gone right Uh so you're really depending on those three months and i don't like that i like having more of a consistent and and let's be honest like it's a lot of work but it's fun as hell to do that. Yeah. Like, like to come down here, be in Florida, be in my flip-flops, and I'm out in the back putting together furniture, jumping in the pool. When it's cold back home, not now, but like in the winter. Cool. And it's just sexy. Like, yeah. like we started looking in other states. But as soon as you say Florida, you get people's attention. Like they want yeah. to come here. They want to have the option of saying, I have a house in Florida. Easy enough for me to book it off and just head down. So. Well, we were very intentional about where we picked. So like, we love it here. So we're like, let's invest where we love to invest. I was telling Matt when I was setting up an Airbnb in Hamilton, it's just like, it's boring. Like, It's, it's not fun like, to be there. And, yeah, I and hear- then they changed the rules halfway through. So we can't Airbnb it. <laughs> so, so we, we had to sell it. it. Yeah. But you like, know? like here we're putting in like this really cool like wallpaper and making it a fun vacation experience for someone. Like yeah. that's so much more fun than just doing some STR next to a hospital or something, right? Like it's just yeah. a different vibe mm-hmm. and we actually enjoy what we Everything's do. Everything's vibrant, colors, like you just feel like you're on vacation even when you're the ones putting it in and doing the work. Yeah. Like it, and your guys' avatar has been families on vacation. Families, and like, easy. Yeah. Your success is them having a good time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're getting people at their best time of the year. Like mm-hmm. this is what they work for is to be able to come down here and have a great time. And you're it's providing really them something if, yeah, that they're thankful if, for. Yeah. If you screw that up, that's on you. Like <laughs> there's always going to be the one, two people who really complain or something, but they were going to anyway. Yeah. Right? They were showing so up. The they were showing part, up with the microscope out. Yeah. Out. For the most part, they're here to have a great time and that's their mentality coming in. So if you ruin that, then you're not doing your job. Well, again, it's a different mentality with a long-term renter too, right? Like you're renting to someone who's whatever. It's not as exciting, but people are on vacation. They're excited. They're happy. They want to be here. So it's just a different vibe in general. And we've been very fortunate. We, We vet our guests really well. We make sure that we're letting in the right people and it's been very positive so far. So Yeah. Just like that neighbor who had concerns, he said, we're actually, we were saying, he was saying to his wife, like, I'm actually really happy they made that into an Airbnb. It's the only noise they ever hear are kids playing in the pool. He's like, they're retirees, right? They're like, we actually yeah. love to hear kids in the pool. It makes us feel better. So, and you guys have given them the face where it's like in the case where I'm sure at some point, at some point, there'll be loud music at 2 a.m. or something. Right. At some point, that's going to keep them up. Like, they'll just call you and you just like, you just call the guests and they turn yeah. it off. Well, <laughs> you know, not before I'm, them because of that minute, right? Yeah. Or, I never yeah, know. Yeah, true. You guys know. Right? Yeah, true. Yeah. You guys yeah. will know before they know. All right, perfect. We do, yeah. And it's only ever gone off like maybe twice. And one of them was, Fourth you know, 4th of July. And it was only minor above the city ordinances. And really on that day, nobody's complaining because everyone's got fireworks going. Everyone's having a backyard party, family over. So it's not even a concern. Like even the police or whoever, they say like the noise ordinances from... 10, 10 p.m. to 8, 8 a.m., that kind of goes out the window on those days. Like They don't yeah. care. They're not going to respond, <laughs> you know? Well, and then everybody has these, like, hurricane windows, too. So apparently yeah, they're, like, soundproof, right? So that helps yeah. out. Yeah. 
Yep. Impact windows. That's my, yeah. And I, I, I've been learning about impact window financing because one of our properties does not have impact windows. Very expensive. Yeah. yeah they're, I'm like, I got to start a window company. Apparently <laughs> maybe <laughs> that's nice. You don't have to have the shutters like accordion on the outside or the ones that like just drop down and cover your window or whatever. <laughs> right. Like it's, yeah. you don't worry about it. Florida specific variable is what I say about Florida. Like Florida is right. like its own country in America. It's like, harsh. I, that's one thing I would warn people of is we would think like being in Canada with the winter it would take a toll on your stuff, your furniture and everything. But Florida is actually quite harsh on your stuff. There's a lot of stuff that we're already replacing, especially mm-hmm. outdoor, because everything rusts in like a few months. If there's yeah, well, you galvanized guys or stainless steel, it's going to rust. You prolong it, but it is going to rust. Yeah. And that's like, uh, like, for instance, we just replaced our cornhole sets and like, we're like, dang, we have to replace our cornhole sets every six months. Whereas like, even in North Carolina, like, I think we replace them like once every two years. So it's just, well, it's just things outside, things things outside. You just have to like bake into your model that you're going to have to replace them twice a year, pretty much. Yeah, You try to find as much plastic as possible. (laughs) So we originally had cornhole and we still do. We've, found some new ones that are either i think they were aluminum we'll try them supposed to never rust but we'll see how that goes but there are plastic options like that are hard plastic and they'll never rust we bought the life-size connect four and things like that and just all pool amenities wagons to go to the beach like just you supply those things and people are more than happy they didn't have to bring anything here but they're close so and you stand out if you show in your first five photos that you provide all the, A, you're providing a boat now or you're going to be providing a boat. That's, I'm excited to, to see that listing. But also, yeah, yeah the games out back, you have, yeah, they don't have to, they don't, they're flying in from Maine or they're flying from Canada. <laughs> well, we're about to hit the hour mark here. So what I'd like to do is just like, what are you guys like, what's, what is the biggest tangible tip you can hear or you can share with anyone listening that's helped you guys so far? I think it's just like, it can be scary at first, especially getting your first one. But once you get it and you are successful at it, like it's easy to get the next one. And then once you've got two, now you can show people what you've done and it's easier to get it going and scale it with such a small entry point for money and the funds you need to arbitrage. I think that's a huge thing too, because I mean, you can do an arbitrage for under $30,000, even if you have to furnish it. So it's a huge difference than asking people for 250, 500,000 for down payments and all this stuff, right? So that's a huge thing. It's something we want to get to where we can purchase. But I think arbitrage is a great way, especially in this climate, economic climate, to minimize risk and continue to build. because. Other things, like you're taking huge risks with flips, buy and holds, multifamily. You're just, you're asking a lot from your investors as far as money up front, but you're also, you're also putting yourself at risk because there's the potential that people are not going to be able to afford the rent six months into their lease. And now you're trying to get them out and you're, or in to protect yourself, but you're, you're, 
super at risk. Your investors are at risk. It's a lot. And right now doing this sort of thing minimizes risk, minimizes the amount of money you need to put into the deal. And it's strong cash flow. Like you can't get that in multifamily. That's long-term plays right now with the way the economy is, we feel that you need to look at short-term money, like fast money. That's flips, that's wholesaling, that's doing short-term rentals. And I think the short-term rental is the best way to do it. At least for us, we love hospitality. We love to deal with the guests. Like it's fun for the most part. Like you get the odd complaint or just ask, but overall they're like really excited. It's just providing them info. And I guess the other part I would add too is because there is a saturation of Airbnbs in the areas now. So you really have to stand out and it's important Mm -hmm. that you do. So we really study our competition. We find out what are they offering as amenities and we make sure we offer all of those and then some. And we make sure that our places are impeccably clean and we'll do cool designs or offer something that's going to put us above the rest. So If you want to be successful, you have to treat it like a business. It can't just be your house that you rent out. You have to think of it from a vacation, a vacationer's standpoint. So I think that's what's made us stand out here. We've been pretty full, like since we've started, like I would say we're close to 80% occupied and we've only been operational for four months. In the slowest time. In the slowest season, right? And we're still getting these bookings. When you look online, you see everybody saying like, oh, it's so slow out there right now. How's everyone handling it? And I think the people that are surviving are the ones that are really treating it like a business and going above and beyond to make sure that you do get booked. Yeah, exactly. And then you got, I know you guys mentioned you got like the Christmas booking. So like you're seeing, you're getting the very positive bookings into the future. Whereas like, well, yeah, and, that, and I think, yeah, again, a lot of people here online, the echo chambers of oversaturation, but, you know, it was two years ago, frankly, like it was a game that pretty much anyone could get in. And if you had a pulse and you at least maybe knew how to like do a click a couple things on a website, you'd probably be fine. <laughs> yeah. now, now you've got to be a pro. Like now you've got to be a pro. You've got to design well. You've got to manage well, like you got to actually care about the input here is like creating a good experience for people. If you don't actually care about that, you're probably not going to be the best at it. So like if you want to get into the game and you want to perform extremely well, you should probably get into a game that you're willing to care about what you need to do in order to get that output you so much desire. So I think that's really helpful advice. And there's also this is the short-term rental pro podcast. So Definitely love seeing, I mean, it's been so awesome for me seeing your guys grow, seeing you guys becoming pros. I'm super stoked for this next property. And then I'm sure the future holds some really great things for you guys. So I'm really happy that I've been able to see it so far. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's, we've learned a lot from you as well. And it's really, it's been great to have a sounding board too. With you and Blake, whenever we've had a problem or a question in the past, it's awesome to have somebody who's been there before. Yeah. And or maybe hasn't, but has an opinion or yeah, I'm gonna write down the plastic cornhole. This is also what I learned from you guys. I didn't even think about <laughs> I've just been buying cornhole sets every six months. I didn't realize yeah. you could get it. Everybody learns car. something when they're doing it, and it's easy to transfer, right? If you have these conversations. So having a coach like yourself that you can call when you're in a pinch or need advice, it's really worth the investment. We, sure. Yeah, we love that we're able to reach you and it's not just like join my coaching program and then you get somebody else. We love that yeah. we're dealing with you guys. We love that we can 
message you and you respond to us like and the other people pretty fast and we're really yeah. happy with that like yeah. we needed that with coaching because we find a lot of coaching you'll get to talk to the main person but then you get passed to somebody else so yeah that's, that's really what we were looking for so we were really happy with you guys and that's and that is what i try to do like i do try to i'm not trying to like blow things to the point where there's 500 people on like a zoom call where like people can like type in questions yeah. like that's never been my objective and like i that kind of makes me sick to my stomach to like I don't want to say this now in five years from now. Like, have, like, You're building kids. towards it. but Yeah. As of right now, I don't have kids. So it's like yeah. the way I see it is like, no, I'm not going to say you guys are obviously not my kids. But like the way I see it is like, I'm giving my time and attention to people. Whereas I definitely see some other folk, like they're not doing that. And, uh, and I enjoy that. And it really is like, makes me feel good to like see folk like yourself execute, use what we've you know, use our learnings and the stuff we've done and not only execute, but also like throw your own unique flavor on things. It's really beautiful to see. So I thank you guys for allowing me to be part of y'all's journey. And I hopefully can have you guys back on here to update everyone and then see even the, the new things that you guys are up to. And sounds, sounds good. good. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thank y'all so much. And for those listening, it's the short-term rental pro podcast. Tune in next week. We'll be back and uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of y'all's day. Thanks for listening to the Short-Term Rental Pros Podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, leave us a five-star rating, like, comment, and share this with someone you know that wants to invest in short-term rentals.